You're listening to a sermon podcast from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. May God bless you as you listen. Well, last Sunday was Easter. He is risen. Indeed, he has. And because he has, you and I have a tremendous future to live for. We weren't just saved to get to heaven, were we? I know there's a gospel out there that many believe in that says that we were just saved for heaven, but the gospel is more than just heaven. Think about it. More, no matter where you've been in your life, no matter what has happened, no matter what you've done, Jesus knows who he created you to be. Even as he approached Jerusalem on his way into the triumphal entry on Passover Sunday, he saw your future. He did. And he knew what you would look like when you joined his parade, when you surrendered your life and entered into his kingdom. He knew then, actually the Bible tells us that he knew before the foundations of the world were even created, he knew then what your future would be like when he got a hold of you. And he knew what loving you, where loving you would lead you. And he was willing to endure the cross. He knew where loving you would lead him too. He endured the cross to include you in his future. And he knew his future didn't end at that cross. He knew resurrection was coming. And so why would Jesus want to limit your salvation to getting you to heaven? He didn't. In fact, he has way more in store for you than you ever believed possible. In John chapter 10, verse 17 to, 20, to verse 18, Jesus tells us why he has this ability to work out your future. He says, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. After we learned last week, Jesus is our resurrection and our life. He was raised so that you and I could live a new life, like a lot of these songs have been talking about. His life is meant to be your life. Your life is supposed to look like his life. That's what's in store for you. Amen? Well, I'm glad you believe that because so many Christians don't believe that. As a result, they grow into a faith that says, My place is to live right until heaven, and God's place is to make sure that everything goes right for me until I get to heaven. We actually kind of even believe that's a bit of a contract between us and God. And that's why we often pray like it is. Lord, I've accepted you into my heart, and so I ask you, and the bargaining begins. I've done my part, now you do your part. We even minister to other people in prayer by doing that kind of thing. Lord, so-and-so has placed their trust in you. They are such good Christians. And so I ask you for this. Again, more bargaining requests. Like we're doing a deal with Jesus or something. And that's true in our private life as well as in our public Christian life. And then we wonder why God doesn't answer many of our prayers. Are you okay with that? Friends, Jesus was raised so that you and I could live a new life. And as a result, your life is supposed to look like his life. And it can be. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, I'm going to trek through a few scriptures from the Apostle Paul where he talks about this new life in Christ. Colossians 2, verse 6 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, 
Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. If there's one thing I've learned from my Bible, if the Bible says something is possible, then it is. God wouldn't tell us that we could live in him, rooted and built up and strengthened in our faith, overflowing with thankfulness every single day of our life if it wasn't true. And what I've also learned on this topic is that it isn't our Christian confession that transforms us. Our union with Christ does. Our relationship with Jesus is what transforms us. We are to continue after our confession of faith to live our life in him. So how do you continue? Well, quite automatically, your life will continue on day after day all by itself. Day after day, life continues to pass by whether you try to help it or not. Whether you're going to the office every day or whether you live in a monastery, regardless of how you live your life, your life will continue until it doesn't. What is in, what is in your control is what you do with it while you have it, when it continues on. Now, the beauty of the Christian faith is that at a particular moment in your life, you had the opportunity to press the stop button. Not a pause button, a stop button. In a single moment, your life, the life you were living, gets stopped and a new life begins. We call that being born again. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 describes this stop button as receiving Christ Jesus as Lord. That's your profession of faith. This is the moment when you decided that Jesus was more important to live for here, from here on in than he was to live without. And from that moment, you declared Jesus was Lord of your life. You promised, at least it should have been part of your profession of faith, that from here on in, day after day, every day and all day, Jesus was going to be Lord of your life. If that wasn't part of your conversion or profession of faith, if you just accepted Jesus as your way to get to heaven, then you need to revisit your profession of faith and make it complete by making him Lord. I'm very serious about that because there, there are a lot of people who have accepted Jesus as fire insurance as a way to get to heaven and not hell, but they're not continuing on with Jesus. We have the ability to stop right now and decide whether we need to revisit that. And we need to. Did you accept Jesus as Lord as much as you did accept him as your Savior? Yes or no? If the answer is no, then you need to walk back that profession and make that so. You can do it now, you can do it later, but you must do it. Otherwise, you will struggle in your Christian experience, guaranteed. You probably already are. So at your profession of Jesus as Savior and Lord, that's when you press the stop button and your old life stopped. And with Jesus as your Savior and Lord, a new life began. It probably happened so instantaneously that you didn't even notice. It wasn't all that exciting or dramatic or spicy. There was no disturbance in the force, no blip, so to speak. Your new life probably just began without any fanfare. But start, it did. And that's where Paul's words kick in in Colossians 2, verse 6. So then... 
Just as you received Christ as Lord, that's profession of faith. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. That means that the next day of your new life, the next days were supposed to look different and be different. Day after day, you were supposed to be living in him as your Lord. And what would that living in him look like? Well, let's turn to another book of Paul's, Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26 to 27. So in Christ, Jesus, you, were all, you are all children of God through faith. For all, you ha- for all you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Let me read that again. This is your identity now as a new creation in Christ. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This idea of clothing ourselves with Christ runs through much of the New Testament. Other passages, especially of Paul's, talk about putting on and putting off certain ways of living like they were a kind of clothing. It's a simple metaphor. And it's designed to help us understand that day by day, our life in Christ, directed by his lordship, needs to be different and look different. Essentially, our new life in Christ is meant to look like Jesus. And there's more. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, another of Paul's writings. Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. Paul says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the, word, with the truth that is in Christ Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So apparently, this new self, the life of Christ can be put on by us, like a garment. We're supposed to clothe ourselves with Christ. So let's follow that metaphor for a moment. When do you normally clothe yourself? Well, probably when you wake up in the morning, right? Otherwise, right now would be a little awkward for all of us, I think. If you didn't get dressed this morning, your life would be extraordinarily different. And this is important for us to understand because every health expert, every personal habit manager will try to tell you, reinforce to you, that how you start your day is the key to determining the quality and the satisfaction of the rest of your day. This is why most pastors will tell you that starting your day with God in, with spiritual disciplines like reading your Bible and prayer and meditation, those are absolutely necessary if you want a consistent, satisfying walk with God through the day. 
I can guarantee you, if you haven't conquered mornings and your morning routine, then you're probably struggling with the lordship of Jesus in some way. It's a given. You need time in the morning, at the beginning of your day, to clothe yourself with Christ. Let me show you what I mean. How did you wake up this morning? Oftentimes, we have a bit of a script going on in our head. And oftentimes, it's the same script every day. Unless you've trained yourself otherwise to wake up differently, your morning script usually is something like this. The alarm goes off and you go, oh, just five more minutes. You hit the snooze button, right? I get it. It's pretty tough. You roll over in bed to stop the alarm. Your body aches. You're still groggy. Your brain is either reminding you of 101 things you got to do in the day ahead of you, or it's telling you that it's going to be so difficult, so why bother getting up? And then when you finally get up, you walk your way to the bathroom, you look in the mirror and you go, oh man, i got a lot of work to do to make this look good today. <laughs> and then you put on your skinny jeans hoping you can still button them up from the night of binging before of chips and popcorn and ice cream. Maybe you can still blame it on COVID. Who knows, right? And then you mosey into the kitchen, grab a handful of vitamins and your coffee, and you wonder if either of them are helping you yet. And then after a couple of pieces of toast, you walk out the door and you grudgingly drive yourself to work. Ah, forgot about the construction on Circle. Stupid city. Honk! Zipper merge, you idiot! Don't you listen to Gormley? And off you go. In all of that waking up routine, when did you clothe yourself with Christ? Were you focusing on surviving the day or on living for Jesus? Maybe you squeezed in a daily bread reading with your toast and coffee in the morning. I don't know. But even with that, at any point, did you wake up and say... Thank you, Father, that regardless of how my body aches, and even though my face isn't as pretty as it used to be, I thank you that you have changed every part of me that matters. I am 100% born again. I'm a child of the living God. Thank you that my value isn't in what I look like in the mirror or even what other people say I look like in my skinny jeans. I am now a new creation in Christ, and I woke up to follow you today. No one else. Holy Spirit, do what you need to do to help me look like Jesus in every part of my day. Much of us don't, most of us don't wake up like that or pray like that, much less talk to ourselves like that. Most of our speech about ourselves is condemning. We're still waking up, as Paul says, with regard to our former way of life. We're waking up for ourselves. And we're still ruled by our old self. And the new life doesn't look much like the, or sorry, yeah, the new life doesn't look like it's come yet. Here's the thing. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 4.17, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. Notice the emphasis on the Lordship here. That you must no longer live as the Gentile unbelievers do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. 
Here's the reality of your Christian life. If you keep waking up as an unbeliever, you will increasingly desensitize yourself to God. And gradually, you will regress yourself away from the God you say you believed in. We used to call that backsliding. And that regression away from your original profession of faith will harden your heart toward the life of God, as Paul says. And when you separate yourself from the life of God, that's when you start to give yourself over to sensuality and you indulge in impure things. Just like you did, as Paul says, in your former way of life before you were born again. Verse 20. That, however, is not the, the way of life that you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him with accordance to the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil, deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I hope that you're getting that living in Christ is not something that you can take for granted. You cannot not care about it. Doing nothing results in deceitful desires, and they will corrupt you. And if we learned anything from the Garden of Eden, those deceitful desires, which first showed up as the fruit of the tree of, of good and uh, was the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Those desires resulted in Adam and Eve's nakedness before the Lord, which led to shame and separation from God. See, how you wake up in the morning becomes your gospel. How you walk out your faith. It reveals how much of God you really thought you needed when you accepted Jesus into your heart all those years ago. Is he important enough to start your day in him and continue to live in him through the day? Huh? Like I said, if there's one thing that I've learned from my Bible and from my personal experience, it's that if the Bible says anything is possible, then it is. God wouldn't tell us that we can live in him, rooted and built up and strengthened in our faith and overflowing with thankfulness if it wasn't true. We can do it. He wouldn't tell us to put off our old self and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness if it weren't possible, right? But I know how this works. The old self likes to argue against that kind of intentionality, reminding you that you've tried this before, again and again, and it doesn't work. So why try again? You keep insisting that you're not a morning person, that you can't wake up like this. Let me be clear. That's your old self talking. As Paul said, your old self wants to keep you corrupted by its deceitful desires. It wants to keep you naked and ashamed to be in the presence of God. Oh God, it's been like weeks, months, maybe even two months since I've been in your presence. The old self wants to keep you in that. But the word of God says that God wants the attitudes of your mind to be made new. And if he says it's possible, then we must resist the voice that says it isn't. That's the voice of our old self speaking. God wants to put you to put on the new self created to be like him in true righteousness and holiness. 
And if you don't wake up to that new mindset, then your old mindset will govern the day. Guess who will be Lord of your life then? And day after day after day, you set a pattern. I'm not saying any of this to bring any of you down. I'm trying to build you up so that you can be strengthened in your faith and be like God in true righteousness and holiness because you can. Your Bible says you can. You just got to wake up to him. Okay, so how? How do we clothe ourselves with Christ? Well, in the same way that your profession of, uh, of Christ was a choice that you made, so too is your ability to put on Christ and live in him day by day by day. So I'm going to give you a few pointers. Number one is this. Set your wake-up time. Set your wake-up time. I don't care if you're retired. I know you don't have a clock to punch at work anymore, all that stuff, but set a consistent time to wake yourself up. As I said, the way you wake up in him determines how you will live with him throughout the rest of your day. If you don't wake up in him, then you will be a victim of life circumstances. Right? You've experienced that. That's probably been your Christian experience. So give yourself enough time to wake up to Jesus so that you can spend quality time with him before the rest of your day takes over. Try a half hour earlier at first if you're new to this. And remember, union with Christ, being in Christ, is a relationship. It's not a duty. You're not waking up to duty. You're waking up to a person. You're in a relationship with Jesus. He is a person and he is alive. He is risen. That's our chant, but do we believe it? Is he waiting for us to greet him in the day? Because he's alive. Now, it might be enough motivation for some of you. Some of you might just be naturally motivated kind of people just to know that Jesus is waiting for you in the living room to, to join him. That might be just enough for you to swing your feet out of bed in the morning and get out into the living room for a time with God. For some, however, the pillow is a real roadblock to spending time with God. Understand, though, that there are seasons of life, okay? There are real seasons of life, like health challenges and those early years of babies and, and, and midnight feedings and times of mourning. And in those seasons... You just get time with God when you can. But otherwise, if you don't have a medical condition or a baby in the house, or as long as you're not going to bed too late and you're getting at least six to eight hours of sleep at night, then needing that pillow in the morning is a learned habit. Nothing more. Here's how you can unlearn it. There's a trick I learned years ago, and somebody actually wrote a book. I wish I'd have thought of this because they made millions on it. But it's called The Five-Second Rule. The Five-Second Rule. The Five-Second Rule by Mel Robbins, uh, in a nutshell, goes like this. If you have a desire to act on a goal, like waking up to Jesus, but you lack the discipline to move into action, you have to create a brain hack to instantly move you into action. Kind of like that stop button that I talked about earlier, but now a go button. The five-second rule is that hack. According to Robbins and her studies in metacognition, this is the reason for it. You must physically move toward your goal, like waking up to Jesus, within five seconds or your brain will kill it. It's just natural. It's just what happens. 
So use that five-second window to do the following. Start counting backwards to yourself out loud if you can. Start counting backwards to yourself five to one. It doesn't work in the reverse. And say to yourself, five, four, three, two, one, feet on the floor, time to meet with Jesus and do it. Five to one is a starting ritual. It's a launch sequence. It, it interrupts old thinking and behaviors to trigger new ones. And soon, as soon as you hit one, push yourself to put feet on the floor and move into another location. It works for a lot of different things, but especially for your time with Jesus in the morning. You have to take physical action after the countdown. Your alarm goes off, five, four, three, two, one. You're up, feet on the floor, into the living room to meet with Jesus. And as you count down from five to one, you'll be distracting your brain from coming up with excuses, which we all know we do, for why you shouldn't do what you want to do, like waking up to Jesus. Five, four, three, two, one, feet on the floor, time to meet with Jesus. That's the action. And you might be thinking, that sounds stupid. Or maybe it doesn't seem spiritual enough to you. Well, then ask yourself, how's what you're doing now working for you? If you're having trouble with your pillow in the morning, not just if feathers are leaking out of it, but just like if you're having trouble waking up in the morning, try it. If you're waking up to Jesus, good. If you're still hugging your pillow and whining for five more minutes, try something different. Set your wake-up time and do whatever you have to do to wake up early enough to spend time with Jesus. And you'll notice a stark change in your life. Number two. Number two, focus on Jesus and your union with him before you focus on godly living. This is important because we want to skip to the latter part, usually. Remember, though, you were born again to be like God in union with Christ, and it's your union with Christ that saves you and transforms you, not just your profession of faith. The Christian life isn't you doing right by Jesus. The Christian life is you learning to find your life in him. He's risen, so we need to believe that, but live like it. And that's why putting on Christ includes putting on the new self. It's who you are now in Jesus. It's your identity in God that makes the difference. Your relationship with Jesus doesn't grow out of your right living. It grows out of time spent with God. See, when you want to know Christ more than anything else in the world, then you will spend time with him. And when you do, you're going to want his mind on things. You're going to want his heart on things. You're going to want his value on things, values on things. And only then will right living grow out of your relationship with him. When he becomes your focus. It's his life in you that makes you new. His power at work in you that makes you look like him. So read the gospels often. Read them out loud in the morning. If your eyes are getting heavy, try walking around the living room, reading out loud. That's what I do. Learn to treat the Word of God like a conversation and not just like a book. Lord, as I read Nicodemus here, he was a very smart and religious man. I see that, but but he didn't get this born-again thing. Lord, I feel like I can relate to him sometimes. But Lord, I want to get it. Teach me what born again is for me and what it's supposed to look like for me in my day-to-day as I go into my life network. 
Yeah? That's different than just reading it as a book. It's a living book. It's meant to communicate the heart and desires of God to you. You're supposed to be able to not just glean information from it, but you're supposed to be able to get to know God through it. And he speak to you. Your life in Christ is a relationship. He is the center of everything about you. So get to know him, and when you do, you'll get to know yourself. And as you attune yourself to his voice, you will love what you hear him saying to you, guaranteed, and about you. And you'll be, you'll be eager to do what he says to do. Lord, you said Nicodemus to Nicodemus that if anyone wants to enter the kingdom of heaven, that they must be born again. Lord, I remember doing that 40 years ago like it was yesterday. And yet every single day, I want my life to be a rededication of that profession of faith. I want, I want that born again nature to be evident in me every single day. Thank you for the privilege of being called new. Thank you that you call me a child of God now because I'm born again. I get now that being born again makes that who I am. Thank you for that. I know I didn't do that on my own. And so as your son, Lord, help me to live up to what I have already obtained in you. In fact, Lord, at work, Jeff has this ability to bring out the old me. But is it him, Lord, or is it me? Is it me needing affirmation and approval from everybody around me? Why would I be like that, Lord, when I know that you love me? And if you love me, what does it matter what other people think of me? Because you approve of me, I don't need the approval of men. I get that now. So help me, Holy Spirit, to be content in that and patient with him. Oh, Lord, I need more patience with him. I know you want him in your kingdom. Lord, help me to look enough like Jesus today that Jeff will want to become your follower too. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. Your day has just begun. That's why I say set a, set a wake-up time. Focus on Jesus and your union with, union with him before you focus on godly living. It's a relationship. Thirdly, put on qualities that are evident in Jesus. Put on qualities that are evident in Jesus. Why not start with a small list of qualities that impress you about Jesus? If I gave you two minutes, if I gave you 30 seconds, you could probably come up with two handfuls of things about Jesus that impress you. If, if you don't know Jesus that well, I encourage you to look in the index of your Bible and find the book of Galatians. Turn to Galatians chapter 5, and there in Galatians 5, you will read about what love is. And he says, love is patient. So how do I put on patience? It's going to be hard to learn there in your living room in the morning when you wake up with Jesus. And you can agree with God all the time in that morning session that it's an important attribute. But if you want to look like Jesus, if you want it to, to be a part of who you are, you've got to put it on. How do I do that? Well, this is the cool part. Believe it or not, but God has already uniquely designed your life network to help you become more like him. You've seen this image before, right? We use it for everything here. Because in the center of it is you in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then all the different areas around you, your interests and hobbies, your family, your friends, your work, your church, your world, all those things you take yourself and Christ into every day. 
And this is the cool part, that your life network was designed by God, I really believe that, to help you become more like him. And you, as you live for him there. And that way your life network is God's means of perfecting you and deepening your communion with him. So that you realize that your communion with him isn't limited to your morning quiet time. Here's an example. Walk into your living room and tell God that you want to work on loving patiently. Try that tomorrow. Guess what's going to happen? What you will learn that day is how easy impatient anger for other people is. And as a first response, how you act towards it. God will cooperate with your desire to look like Jesus. Remember, it's a relationship. He wants you to want what he has and is. And he will bring people into your life network that will teach you patience. From the drive to work, or in a call from your mother-in-law, or an impatient friend, God will teach you to put off the old self of impatience and put on the new self of patience. Let me give you a couple of examples. You're at work, and you feel like you did an amazing job on that last project, but they didn't even mention your name. In fact, they even took credit for your work. Cue in loving Christ-like patience. Another example. You spend all day cleaning your house, and your husband comes home and asks, what have you been doing all day? Cue in loving Christ-like patience. Another example. Yesterday, you were with all that in-crowd at school, and today they don't even acknowledge your existence. Cue in loving Christ-like patience. But be warned, your old self is used to you responding to situations in your life network and will try to force you, will try to force your own self-response of impatience and self-centeredness and self-preservation onto the current situation. I spent time on that project. I worked hard for that. They didn't even notice me. What can I do to get noticed around here? I spent the whole day getting this house in order and he didn't even notice. We'll see if I notice him tonight. I can't believe they just ignored me today. They said they were my friends. What happened to yesterday when they all wanted to be my friends? See if I ever make friends here at this school again. Where'd we learn to think that way? It's so natural, isn't it? Well, Paul says in Romans and in Corinthians that we all grew up in Adam with his old nature and his motivations. We learned his language, so to speak. He wanted to please his wife. She wanted to please herself. They ate the fruit, and they realized they were naked. Naked physically, yes, but also naked in a sense of realizing their shame for rejecting God. And as a result, they were cut off from God's presence. And what was the first thing God said to Adam after that? Adam, where are you? They used to walk with God in the garden. But now that their communion with God is broken, they're hiding from God, running from their source of life. We learned all this self-centeredness from Adam, and we've even perfected it a bit more than he did it. 
And that's why Jesus told us that we need to be born again. The Holy Spirit needs to recreate our nature and give us a new nature, a new Christ-centered nature. Only with this new born-again, God-centered nature is it possible for you and I to walk with God and look like Jesus in our life network. And because you are born again, and you have new values and a new self-worth that is now in Jesus alone, you don't have to live to please the old nature anymore. And you don't have to live to please other people anymore. So if that's your new reality, then where does hurt and offense have anything to attach itself to in our lives? Nowhere. Shame, fear, self-consciousness, self-centeredness, measuring up, it's all gone. At least it should be. If I woke up today to commune with God, first and foremost in my life, that's my ultimate priority, to be His Son, I don't have to wait for somebody to make my day. My identity isn't made more secure by how other people look at me or look at what I've done in the world. I'm a child of the living God. I don't need other people's approval. I don't care if they think I'm good looking enough or skitty enough or talented enough. My identity is in God and he accepts me. My day isn't ruined when someone tries to offend me or take something from me. Because I have a heavenly father who wants all things for me. So friends, spend time each morning working your way through the circles of your life network. It's all about learning to be united to God in Christ first. And then acquiring his life daily. So that you can walk it out in the areas of your life network. Then, united to him, dependent on him, you will learn to put to death the old nature more naturally more supernaturally, actually, so that you will be able to look like God who loved you enough to send his son for you. It's learning to speak a new language to yourself, to others, to God, while you wake up to Jesus and wake up to him throughout your day. Your life and your worth are only in God. And he calls you to be made new, Paul says, in the attitude of your minds and to put on your new self created in him to be like to be like him in true righteousness and holiness. And it all starts when you wake up in the morning. It all starts when you wake up in the morning and you talk with him in your living room and you anticipate together living out your day in Christ. Then you'll be living out the resurrection life of Jesus. And one day, someone in your life network will ask you. They'll ask you how you live the way you do. And you can say, I woke up like this. Let's pray. Father, I'm going to hit the pause button now in our prayer. And earlier, I talked about that profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us maybe said, Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, Lord, being new to it all, we didn't quite know exactly what we were getting ourselves into. And Lord, we're so grateful for your salvation. We're so grateful that because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Christ and the descension of the Holy Spirit, that we now have eternal life. We have a future reward 
awaiting us. We have heaven waiting for us. But, oh, Lord, more than that, we understand now today that Christ died for more than that. He rose for more than that. He raised from this earth and brought the Holy Spirit for more than that. By his life, we can live a new day today. And so, Lord, I'm going to put the pause button on this morning right now and give people the opportunity that if they did not accept Jesus as Lord or if their lordship issue has slipped since they first professed Christ, that, Lord, they speak to you about that in these moments. And, Lord, I know that there are many in this room, most of us, in fact, that not only accepted Jesus as Savior, but also Lord. And, Lord, throughout our lives, we've been trying very hard to live up to what we have already obtained in Christ. But, Lord, sometimes this putting on the new self, this new life that we have in Christ has kind of put us off. Or, we, or it's evaded us and we're confused by it and sometimes we give up. Lord, more than anything today, I pray for my sisters and brothers that they will recognize that you are alive, that you can be known, and that you are the greatest source of life. Without you, there is no life at all. And Lord, that realization, that revelation would carry them into their waking up mornings, carry them throughout the day, and carry them into their bed at night. That they would recognize, Lord, that it is for relationship with God that we were created. The fall broke that. Christ restored that. And now we have full access to the Father, unbroken, unhindered. Lord, we can come before you at any time. We pray, Lord, that in those morning hours from here on in, that, Lord, we would experience you afresh. And Lord, you would help us to learn what this putting on and putting off is all about. And we pray this in Christ's powerful name because he is Lord. Amen.